Thank you for joining me for another episode on the podcast. For this episode, I wanted to go a little bit deeper into exposure. And I know I covered some of this on the Memorial Day episode I did. So some of the statistics and stuff are going to sound familiar for people that listen to that episode. For those of you that have not heard it, for Memorial Day, I wanted to kind of make a point because a lot of people see that time as being uh, honoring those that were, well, honoring and remembering those that were killed in combat. And the point I was trying to make was that even though some people do make it back from combat, it doesn't mean that they're, they're safe and aren't gonna die because of having gone to combat. And I didn't wanna just look at suicide because that's something our community looks at a lot. What I wanted to talk about was the kind of from the perspective of those that went off to war, were exposed to something, and then suffered for it for the rest of their lives until it eventually killed them or they died of something else, but then had to live with a series of diseases or illnesses and suffer. And so what made me want to do another episode about this wasn't just that... uh, I guess it it hits close to home for me. Uh, The whole exposure thing, I take it very seriously. And it's not just because I'm a post 9-11 veteran that was deployed to Afghanistan where I was exposed to burn pits and uh, certain things that the DOD requires you to take and stuff like that and have friends that have been exposed to it as well or friends that have family that were exposed to stuff that have either died from it or are suffering currently. Uh, But my dad was a Vietnam vet and he ended up with cancer. He had been exposed to Agent Orange and he passed away last year after a uh, horrible battle. And so it hits very close to home. But I also saw a article recently that Uh, It just really sparked that fire me again to just kind of put it back on the board, especially with my podcast. I know I'm not the only one covering it, but uh, I really just want people to understand how big of an issue this really is for the veteran community and for their families. And the article that I found was by David Goldstein. And it was part of the, I think it was on thewarhorse.org. And Goldstein covers a veteran's story and his experience with the VA. And this guy filed for a skin condition and fibromyalgia, uh, along with IBS, which the VA considers to be a presumptive condition connected to service in the Gulf War. And this vet was denied. And the reasons why he was denied ranged from the VA using the wrong rules on the claims, uh, nurse practitioners ignoring what specialists had to say or their diagnosis, and basically making a decision within five minutes of the veteran getting in the room. And this is after this person has had to go through months of studies, exams, 
in tests. And I know how frustrating that is from experience where you have, you literally come in with a book from uh, either stuff you've had done recently or from your military records and stuff like that and present it to the VA and the VA just kind of glimpses at it and then just boom, has a, basically a pass or fail and doesn't actually dig into anything when even if you have all these specialists that are doing all these tests and all these exams that say something, some of these doctors or these nurse practitioners are just blowing it off and just saying whatever they want to say. And a lot of times it's stuff that gets you denied. But uh, really, it's a story that many of us know, fighting the VA for care or to get benefits. And I know this generation of veterans, post 9-11 vets, are not the only ones because you have the Vietnam veterans, obviously, that were dealing with Agent Orange. Uh, World War II vets were basically, uh, as Goldstein said, the guinea pigs during the atomic bomb testing. We've had over 650,000 people deployed to Iraq over the invasion of Kuwait that it took place 30 years ago. It was 42 days of combat and it resulted in 44% of our service members coming home with serious medical issues. And they were issues that nobody really knew what the hell it was. It was multi-symptom stuff. And so it was basically all lumped together under one thing and became known as Gulf War illness or other people know it as Gulf War syndrome. And research found that the illness and these ill or these issues were likely due to chemicals that the veterans were exposed to. Uh, some of it would be DEET. Some of you may know what DEET is. It's used to protect against things like uh, malaria and just kind of, it's a repellent. And it's put in laundry a lot of times or it's put into the uniforms. And so your body's basically in it. Uh, nerve gas, nerve agents, stuff like that. Chemicals that were used to prevent these things like pills. Uh, I'll probably jack up the name of this pill. It's pyridostigmine bromide or something like that. I don't know, but whatever pills that the Gulf War vets were being given to help kind of as a preventative measure against things like exposure to nerve gas, it basically caused other issues. Now, those of us also from the post 9-11 generation know that story as well, because we were given pills from the whole anti-malaria thing that have been linked to neurological issues. And then there's also some debate and findings uh, that are trying to link some of the problems that veterans are having to the anthrax and smallpo smallpox vaccine or both. And so basically Gulf War vets were exposed to a number of things and that also, besides like the D in the pills and stuff like that, it also includes stuff like, I think it was uh, depleted uranium munitions and stuff like that. So approximately 250,000 Gulf War vets that served in 91 
endured some sort of a chronic multi-symptom illness afterwards. And so that included things like having combinations of any of these. It's not like you have all these or just one, but it mostly ranges from fatigue, muscle pain, cognitive issues, insomnia, rashes, digestive issues, respiratory issues, and unfortunately, the list goes on and they are continuing to link stuff to it. And so obviously it didn't end with Gulf War vets because uh, you have the post 9-11 generation. And so the paper I found that was written by David Goldstein covers the basically what not just happened to this veteran that was talking about being denied so quickly for stuff that was supposed to be tied to the whole Gulf War thing. But he basically was talking about how research is finding that these illnesses and these issues are coming from the stuff that veterans are exposed to. And it still isn't leading to benefits or care for some vets, especially like in this situation, the Desert Storm vets. It isn't, it's not, even though they're finding all this research and they're coming up with all this information and making all these links, it is not a guarantee that these people are getting care or being taken care of. And one thing that really got me was a, a spot in his paper where it was talking about the, one of the veterans he had interviewed or was covering talking about how they were willing to go to fight and to sacrifice themselves and to die for their country, basically, uh, and for those at their side, but how they didn't sign on for the suffering or for the injuries that would later be ignored, left untreated until they would either die from it or, you know, we kill ourselves. You know, suicide is a huge problem that's taking place in the veteran community and you know it's a sad realization when you have to sit there and think I may die one day because of my exposure to burn pits because I watched my dad die from Agent Orange and I know that I was exposed to contaminated water I know that I took things that the DOD said was safe to take to prevent things like malaria and anthrax. And I watched my dad go through the VA, put in his claim for Agent Orange. He fortunately was not denied, but his, uh, his claim went through only months before he passed away. And so it was kind of like all that for what? And with things like Agent Orange, Agent Orange doesn't just stop at the veteran that was exposed. It's a generational issue because it's been found to cause issues for descendants of Vietnam veterans. So that means people like me, my brother, you know, my father's children. And so for me, I kind of feel like if, if the burn pit ain't going to get me <laughs> or the contaminated water or, you know, the pills I took or whatever, it maybe it will be something that I was never actually exposed to, like physically, but because of being a descendant of an Agent Orange veteran, you know, who knows. And 
it's it's a shitty number, but it's approximated that about 300,000 vets have died from Agent Orange, which is almost five times the amount of people that were killed in combat during the Vietnam War. And the exposure has been linked to a host of things, which includes chronic B-cell leukemia, Hodgkin's disease, prostate cancer, respiratory cancers, heart disease, and many more. So you have all these veterans that have been exposed. And according to a, uh, a GAO report from 2017, I think it was, it was found that over 80% of the Gulf War illness claims were denied by the VA. Between 2002 and 2018, the VA rejected 90% of undiagnosed disability claims from Gulf War vets, denying them basically Congress approved eligibility for free medical care. Up to 3.5 million service members have been exposed to burn pits and there have been a number of bills put in place uh, the Covenant Act, which would acknowledge exposure to toxins by veterans serving overseas and require CMP, uh, comp and pen, or whatever people know it as. And uh, the latest I found was in an article that was dated April 18, 2021, that was talking about a bill that had been introduced to fast track access to healthcare benefits. And the goal was to remove the burden of proof that requires a vet to prove that that the condition is linked to the toxic exposure that they may have had during their service. And I think the biggest thing a lot of people are tracking, at least for the post 9-11 generation, is the uh, airborne hazards and open burn pit registry. There's also one for the Gulf War veterans, which is the Gulf War Health Registry exam. And I can say I am somebody that is on the Airborne Hazards and Open Burn Pit Registry. And I tell any veteran that I served with or I know that went over to a place like Iraq or Afghanistan or whatever uh, to do the same. And I've gotten into it with other veterans. I've gotten into it with other podcasters uh, about open burn pit registry. And the big thing is that people say that it's a waste of time and it's going to make a difference. And to that, I say, uh, you know, what are you losing by just taking the minute to fill it out? And it's true that it might not help you today and it might not help you tomorrow, but it doesn't mean that it won't help you down the road. And I know we're really big in this community about saying we got each other's back and how we were willing to sacrifice for the people at our side. So if we couldn't do it for ourselves, we should be able to do it for our brothers and sisters. And so do the burn pit registry if you've been somewhere where you know you're around burn pits or contaminated water or whatever it is you got to do to take care of yourself or to get a registry set up so that they can track what is happening to veterans like you so that if somebody else comes down with something, they can start linking the issues that people are having. And hopefully 
it doesn't turn into a whole Agent Orange thing again. I don't want to see anybody go through what my dad went through. I don't want to see anybody go through what my friend's parents have had to go through. I know plenty of people who have parents that were exposed to Agent Orange or Gulf War Syndrome and are either dead, dying, or suffering. And so by doing something like the registry, it not only tracks changes in your health or helps you set up follow-up appointments and care, but it could build a registry that can help other veterans down the road because that's the important thing here is making changes now and keeping the pressure on places like the VA or making sure legislation is not going to forget about us. You know, thank God for people like Jon Stewart that are really making noise about this stuff and veterans need to keep making noise about it as well because this is not as silent of a killer as a lot of people are trying to make it out to be. This is not something that should get swept under the rug and a lot of people just don't have the time. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more episodes from Cruise Corner, make sure to subscribe. You can listen to episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts. If you would like to be featured on a future episode, please reach out to our Instagram page at cruise underscore corner.